Hello and welcome to another episode of the Americano podcast. My name is Freddie Gray and I'm the deputy and USA editor of The Spectator. And today we're going to be talking about a new and interesting chapter in the special relationship. And that is the marriage of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, which is happening this weekend. I'm joined today by Dominic Green, who is culture editor of Spectator USA and has written this week a piece about the royal wedding. Uh, Dominic, you haven't come over to England for the wedding, have you? Uh, my understanding is that the invite got lost in the post, but I've also heard that um, they are admitting commoners this time. They are, well, like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Yes, 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 thing. yes. Yeah. And also, they don't get fed or given, a, they have to bring their own seating. No, but they don't want to be fed because they know that they're not worthy. Yes, so they, you, you feel your, your status if you're sitting on the wrong end of the shooting stick, just eating a cheese and pickle sandwich in the rain as the, <laughs> as the royals go past in their gilded coach. Dominic, do you think this is, uh, I mean, it's silly perhaps to ask if things are good or bad about the special relationship, but how does this wedding show the special relationship? Does it say anything about what Britain and America are and their relationship today? Yes, but I, I think it does, but only in in, uh, in reverse. In the, right. uh, this is a case of, of an American being absorbed into the uh, British royal family. Well, um, what is particularly special from the point of view of the uh, British is the way that they keep being absorbed into an American uh, foreign policy. <laughs> and you think it's a good thing overall? You think this wedding w- will be good for the world? Um, I, I think it's certainly good uh, for Britain, which is a much more mixed society than it was, say, when uh, Harry's parents got married. And it's probably good for the royal family to uh, have a more outward-looking attitude. It's certainly very good for tourism, because they need uh, young and attractive members uh, being added to the cast of this soap opera. You, you said that it's good for the royal family. Are you sure about that? Because, I mean... I know that we all like to say that it's good for the monarchy to open itself up, become more democratic, possibly even biracial, and that's that's a good thing too. But is that really deep down what people want from monarchy? Do they want well, monarchy to be democratic, open? Do they want it to be showbiz? I think you're probably right about that. It, it's uh, good for them in the sense that it keeps them on the front pages, and uh, there is a certain relevance uh, in that. The deeper relevance and, and value of a monarchy and what people are really looking for, though, has to do with mystique. And, and uh, famously, you get that by not you know, being available, by not showing it. And so uh, running after the trend is probably the worst thing they can do in that sense. If they want to really have this uh, metaphysical significance as the, you know, the, the direct link between the parliament and God, which is really how they are set up as, then they really do need, do need to look uh, abstracted from our sorry everyday reality. Yes. And of course, Meghan and, and Harry aren't abstracted in the sense that they do seem quite interested in a perhaps celebrity type way in politics. I mean, Meghan Markle is apparently a fan of Chomsky. They both like Justin Trudeau. They like Obama. They've made it sort of pretty clear they don't like Donald Trump. They are popular among Guardian readers, among woke young people. Yeah, this is a very bad sign. I'm very concerned about this trend because it has happened previously that members of the royal family have been interested in politics and it has ended badly generally when they have been... um, Obviously, Charles I had his head cut off uh, for similar moves. Edward VIII obviously had his own um, idea of diplomacy when it came to uh, dealing with the rise of Hitler, and that didn't go too well either. So it's probably not a good idea for them to express a preference. And this is quite interesting with the American dimension too, isn't it? Because it's been said a lot that America's class system is hardening, and what you see with Trump is is a sort of class civil war going on. 
And in Markle, you have uh, a girl who, you know, she's not posh in any way, but she certainly represents a sort of celebrity elite, a transatlantic elite, and obviously Prince Harry does too. And if they are representing that elite politically too in their obvious support for Obama and horror at Trump, then that will stoke up resentment even more, perhaps. Yes, they definitely are from from an elite. They are both showbiz kids in their way. Mm. And, and uh, these days, the entertainment business, like many other fun jobs is a hereditary business and um, it doesn't look good to be seen to be siding with the one percent even if you are part of the you know 0.1 percent as um, harry's grandmother probably is yeah that said i think people forgive a lot when they're entertaining and uh, also everyone wishes a young couple in love they wish them well yeah, I thought that leaves me cold always. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it doesn't always end my, well. Either. My black yeah, heart. Yeah, it doesn't end well always for the for the uh, royal family, as in all celebrity weddings. It doesn't have to go the route of um, Elizabeth Taylor or, or Joan Collins and, and uh, go into multiples. But generally speaking, recent royal weddings have not been that successful, in part because of the pressures of, of celebrity and media. But you think Meghan might be quite well equipped for this because she comes from a fairly dysfunction, I think it's fair to say, family herself, or certainly a fractious family, and so does Harry. They are both from uh, broken homes. Obviously, the Windsor family has several homes to break, and uh, (laughs) it's a matter of scale. And of course, uh, they both have uh, pushy showbiz mothers and fathers with a manipulative relationship to the press. So um, they have a great deal in common in terms of background, so they're never going to be completely alone, even when they're under the uh, microscope. She is obviously more professional than he is, because yes. Harry has shown that he, he's a bit of an amateur in the sense of getting caught out by the cameras, yeah. naked, for instance. While she, on the other Although hand... he's got better. You always have to say with yes. Harry how much he's improved he's, he's and evolved and quick matured. study. Yes, yeah. he is. But she managed to keep her clothes on all the time in during her uh, premarital celebrity career. So mm. she's obviously got a much more uh, skillful management of, of um, her assets and um, is going to be, at last, a true professional in the royal family. Yes. And what role do you think the media is playing in this story? Because I've been very interested that a lot of journalists who I know who've written quite gushing pieces about Markle and the amazing things she's doing for the royal family, when you talk to them about it, they don't think that at all. They just know this is a great story and that she, like Diana or Fergie before her, is going to cause a lot of problems and and that will be a lot of fun, that will be a lot of copy. Yes, um, they're, they're, so they're... People should be aware of how the media thinks about this thing. I, I think you're right, unfortunately. They are piling up the kindling Yes, and getting ready to burn someone. It remains to be seen who it'll be, you know. Um, it, it could as easily be him as, as her. But the, the appetite, certainly in the media... Is, is for a catastrophic smash-up. We build to, these people yes. up to burn them down. And preferably for the whole thing to take place as slowly and brutally as possible yeah. uh, in order to maximise the story. thing is, of course, the public actually quite want this as well. As in all kinds of celebrity, people are always torn between veneration and wanting to tear people to pieces. Yes. This was the great insight, I thought, of Mick Jagger in that song, It's Only Rock and Roll, that uh, <laughs> people were either throwing their underwear at him or trying to, to uh, dismember him. Yes. And, and uh, that is actually the nature of uh, idolising people you don't know. And so in, the, in this aspect, I don't think the media are... Um, stirring it up so much as actually doing what the public want them to do, which is they are creating the first act of the great drama now with the fairy tale wedding. And presumably if the public like it, the media like it, 
even if it goes disastrously wrong, it's not necessarily bad for the monarchy. Mm, well, that's the awful thing. The monarchy has tied itself in since the 1960s when they allowed documentary cameras to come into Buckingham Palace in order to demonstrate that they were not demented foreigners, but they were actually just like everybody else. Since then, they, they have made a series of ever ever worse Faustian deals, uh, in effect, with the media, where they have exposed themselves more and more in the hope that they'll be understood more and that, therefore that people will feel compassion for them or not object to the fact that they get paid by the taxpayer and so on. But, of course, it's, it's, it's actually worked against them at every stage. Well, I think, I think you and I agree on this, but I, I think I might be wrong because I did a piece a while ago called uh, Made in Windsor, which was about how the younger royals, particularly during their mental health campaign, where they were doing these sort of slightly reality TV type videos. That was traitorous of you. It was deep treacherous. (laughs) They were turning the monarchy into a a kind of reality TV show and that this is sort of further. And I suppose people like me always seem to think that things are getting, getting worse all the time. But a lot of people reacted to that piece. Well, not a lot of people. A few people reacted quite angrily to that piece saying, you know, They've just done a series of stunts. This is what the monarchy's done for 200 years. Yes, you probably got angry letters from Elizabeth Windsor yeah. of, of Windsor Castle. Windsor. So I was hoping yes. she might agree. No, it's true. They've always had a good sense of theatre, and the question is whether they're uh, going to give a good show. And I'm very impressed that the younger ones have um, picked it up and, and put on the grease paint and, and got out there and had gradually turned themselves into modern people magazine royals, which is, uh, which is you know, what the public wants. We, we want to have in touch, people, star, hello, that kind of royal. They keep themselves in shape now. If you look at uh, Edward VII, for instance, he let himself go. He would not have looked good, mm-hmm. photographed in his shorts if he went to the Caribbean in the winter. The younger royals, on the other hand, have a, clearly have trainers and a, a proper dietary and fitness regime, just like second division Hollywood actors. Yes. Let's end on Americans and how Americans think about this, because I think what happens with America and the monarchy is that Brits love the idea that Americans love the monarchy. And we don't quite understand that for them it really is just trash news. And Meghan Markle and Harry will be great trash news but we probably Brits probably shouldn't delude ourselves that this means America loves the monarchy or loves the idea of Britain, or am I being too self-hating? In my experience, well, you can never be too self-hating. As, <laughs> as, as, as a British person in the 21st century, it, it, it's a bottomless pit, isn't it? My, my experience with, with, of Americans is that they generally think anyone who submits voluntarily to a monarchy is a coward and an idiot yeah. and, and deserves what they get. And if you, you make yourself a subject rather than a citizen, and then, then you can't really complain if you feel your liberties are being restricted. On the other hand, as you're saying, they do appreciate top quality showbiz. Mm. And um, just as Paris Jackson carries you know, the lineage of Michael Jackson and probably Tito as well, it, it, a showbiz dynasty always has a particular magic. Uh, yes. If there was a monarchy in America, it, I mean, perhaps if, if it was, was once going to be the Kennedys, perhaps Drew Barrymore could be their first queen because she has this sort of um, you know, multi-generational showbiz glamour. So from that point of view, the royal family are... But America um, does have a sort of monarchical sense now. I mean, you know, you've had uh, the dynasties of the Bushes and the Clintons, and now you've got Trump, which is a sort of... This is true. It's, he's an emperor-type figure in many ways. You don't have to be a kind of um, great Trump-hater to see that. Yes, and, and the, the problem, of course, being that those, those dynasties are... It, it, politics, being showbiz for ugly people, mm. they, they don't have the same attraction as, as um, the beautiful people uh, yes. forming a dynasty. Perhaps, after all, the, the Kanye West presidency uh, will establish a new uh, political dynasty with the right amount 
amount of glamour. Yes. <laughs> we'll stop it there, Dominic. Thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. <laughs>